Somebody might want to shout this morning. Danny, you let them do that. Colossians chapter 3 this morning. If you have your Bible, I hope you'll turn there. We're in a series called uh, Christ-Centered Living. And this morning, about being a community of grace. A community of grace. If you find your place, won't you go ahead and stand up with me? So much good in this. It's, a, it's all good. Uh, so much good this morning. I can't wait to get in here. So Colossians chapter 3. 12 through 17, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And Father, we pray this morning that Your Word would be strong. Your Word would accomplish its purposes. Father, this is such an important word for your church today, and we pray that we'd have ears to hear and and our hearts would be receptive, that you would remove any distraction from us for these next few minutes, and we could think upon your word and be changed by your word, and and may your grace be poured out this morning for your glory, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can find your seat. Philip Yancey has a book called What's So Amazing About Grace? And in that book, he says, grace comes free of charge to people who do not deserve it, and I'm one of those people. I think back to whom I was, resentful, wound tight with anger, a single hardened link in a long chain of ungrace learned from family and church. Now I'm trying in my own small way to pipe the tune of grace. I do so because I know more surely than I know anything that any pang of healing or forgiveness or goodness I have ever felt comes solely from the grace of God. I yearn for the church to become a nourishing culture of that grace. And I, I just want to echo that this morning. My, my desire is that the church would be a nourishing culture of grace. And I, I like to call it a community of grace. And I, I just want to share this quickly. It was uh, back in 2012. I was pastoring uh, in Danville, Emmanuel Baptist. Loved that church. It's going on year 11. And uh, a church, Lancaster Baptist, called and asked me if I would talk to them about coming to be their pastor. They didn't have the best reputation for the way they treated pastors and, and whatnot. I didn't really want to go. And uh, so it was revival. I remember Brother Barry was preaching Ephesians 4, and the Spirit impressed upon me to go there and to lead them to be a community of grace. And, and by God's grace, I, I mean, he, he allowed me to, to see that to come about. And, but he's never really taken away that, that desire, that mission for the church, to, the local church, to be a community of grace. And so before we get into the text, I, I just, you know, people often uh, experience grace and, and acceptance in places other than the church. And, and sometimes people visit our churches and they leave not feeling, not seeing uh, grace from God's people. And so it's, it's common for us to talk about grace and then to be ungracious in our lives. Uh, I said it's a lot easier for me to preach about grace than it is to extend grace. 
And so we like grace. I love to preach about grace. We like to, uh, to think about God's grace and His forgiveness. And yet we often demand performance from other people instead of extending grace. And so this morning I want to talk about being a community of grace. What, what does a community of grace look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, it, first of all, it means we're committed to a grace gospel. You don't earn your salvation. The only way to be saved is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That's the gospel. We're committed to grace teaching, and that means that we avoid teaching and practicing legalism. Uh, we preach the truth, and we allow the Holy Spirit to, to do His work of sin. And I, I tell people, I remind myself often that I'm not someone else's Holy Spirit. He's got that under control. We preach the truth and let Him convict of sin. And then thirdly, we're committed to grace-oriented lifestyles and relationships. That means that we treat each other like God has treated us. That's with kindness and love and forgiveness and patience and gentleness. Uh, so we're going to see that this morning. But part of our nature uh, is this urge to merit God's favor. Uh, almost as if we feel like we've got to do something to earn God's favor. And uh, if we're honest, we, we even try to outperform other people. We try to uh, compare our righteousness to someone else's. C.S. Lewis once said that man is incurably religious. And so this morning, I think it's important for us to be reminded about the grace that our great God has shown us. And uh, listen, it's not about our righteousness. It's about His graciousness that He has shown towards us. And listen, church, it's okay. It's even good sometimes to, to let others know how much work God's still got to do in our lives. And uh, when I come to this passage, I realize that He's got lots of work to, to do in me. And so in Colossians 3, uh, Paul is for us to put to death the, the old sinful man, the sinful nature, and put on the new self. We call it putting off the grave clothes and putting on the grace clothes. You know, sometimes y'all have a trouble distinguishing my words. I'm talking about putting off the grave clothes and putting on the grace clothes. And as, church, as a church, we're called to be a community of grace. And uh, so how can we be a community of grace? Well, first of all, point number one, we need to recall our identity in Christ. Recall our identity in Christ. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And so if you're a Christian and you've come to personal faith in Jesus Christ, you've repented of your sins and trusted Christ, those words are describing your new identity in Christ. And aren't they praiseworthy? The New International Version says that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Isn't that humbling? That God sees us in that identity? And so, listen, we can be a community of grace because God's grace has changed us and has given us a new position before Christ. If you remember back in chapter 1, verse 21, we were alienated, we were hostile in mind, we were enemies, we were doing evil things. That is before Christ changed us. And now we are called holy and beloved. And so let's consider our identity in Christ. First of all, we're God's chosen people. Now, I didn't say that. Paul said it. 
And if you're saved, it's because God has set his love and affections upon you. He chose you to be his very own. Amen. Isn't that awesome? In the Old Testament, God chose uh, uh, the people of Israel. Uh, why did he choose them? Well, Deuteronomy 7, 7 says, It was not because you were more in number than any of the other people who the Lord set his love on to choose you. You were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you. So he called out the Jews. He set his affections on the Jews. He chose to, to have a covenant with the Jewish people, and he, he wanted them to be a unique people, a distinct people. I mean, you read Leviticus, and sometimes it's, it's tough reading, but it's, it's just God saying to his people, you're a, you're a unique people from all the other peoples on the earth. But then we come to the New Testament, we find who is the eternal Son of God. He came to earth. He, he lived a sinless life. He goes to the cross, bears our sins, he died, he's buried, he's raised again, and, and now he has uh, established a, a new covenant with a new people, and that new people is the church. It's, it's us, the, the body of Christ. And, uh, and, and now the church is composed of Jews and Gentiles, and, and one day a people from every tongue, tribe, people, and nations. That, that's the church. And so every person that's brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ is a chosen people. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And so, praise the Lord. Paul gives us a description of God's chosen people. He calls them holy and beloved. Listen, church, you didn't earn that destination. Holy and beloved. But God declares you to be holy and beloved. We don't earn it, and we certainly can't keep that status, but we are holy and beloved by God. And God's love, listen, church, God's love isn't dependent upon what we do. To It's not if we do more, He loves us more. If we do less, He loves us. No. Sometimes you need to hear this, and I love to tell you, but listen, God loves you dearly. I don't know of any better news than that. That truth is so foundational. You need to know who you are, and you need to know your identity in Christ. And when we recall God's grace towards us, then we become free to express that grace towards others. But if we don't understand God's grace towards us, then we won't extend that grace to others. There's a difference, you see, between religious people and what I like to call grace-driven people. Religious people are trying to earn and keep God's favor. Lots of people in the church are doing that. But grace-driven people, we celebrate and we extend God's grace to others. And so let me ask you this morning, which best describes you? Are you religious or are you grace-driven? I hope you're grace-driven. I hope you realize who you are in Christ and then you extend that to others. Not only do we need to recall our identity in Christ, but secondly, we need to reflect the grace of Christ. And Paul does a masterful job of showing us who we are in Christ and then calling us to live in light of our new identity in Christ. In other words, our actions should be reflective of our identity. And so we're in Christ. We're holy and beloved. Therefore... These are some of the things that should characterize our lives. And listen, we have a divine resource. We have the Holy Spirit that helps us. And we need help in these areas. And so because we are chosen, holy, and beloved, because of that, verse 12, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Put these things on. Now this little phrase, put on, is one of Paul's favorites. 
Uh, and he's not saying put on a show. He's told us in, back in verse 9, if you remember from last week, put off the old self with its practices, with its evil practices. Put that off and put on your grace clothes. Now, I told him when you got saved, it's like God gave you a new wardrobe. And uh, some of you like that fact. You got a new wardrobe. It's like you get up every morning, you go to the closet, and you get to make a decision. Are you going to put on that old stuff? We looked at that last time, that old worldly stuff. Or are you going to put on this new gracious stuff, the, the old stuff? The characteristics of the old life was back in verse 8. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. Listen, church, lay that aside. Put that off. If you see yourself wearing some of that, take it off. Paul says, take it off and put on, by the grace of God, put on these new garments, these new actions, and these new attitudes because they are in line with the graciousness of God. So what are these new qualities, new, these new clothes? Well, first of all, verse 12, compassionate hearts. And so put on compassion. The Greek word literally means bowels of sympathy. The Greeks thought that uh, emotions uh, originated in the bowels. Uh, we, we like to talk about our hearts. And so Paul was referring to having a heart of compassion for others. Now, what does that look like? Well, for one, it means that we don't assume the worst and we don't jump to conclusions. And No, we put on compassion. And we deal with people with compassion. We deal with your spouse with compassion and deal with your children. Some of you got children, you're like, oh, don't go there, preacher. <laughs> Mine's grown, so... Uh, deal with your kids with compassion and, and deal with your church family with compassion and deal with your neighbors with compassion and deal with your coworkers with deal with those who have needs with compassion just like God deals with you and I put on compassion and I wonder is that, if that's a word for somebody here today secondly put on kindness this kind of grows out of our compassion uh, the Holy Spirit urges us to show kindness to others. I, I mentioned we got lots of couples that are doing a 30-day kindness challenge. And uh, sometimes that's tough. But, but we're to put on kindness. Kindness is a virtue. And, and I look around, some of you need to try this challenge. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Romans 2.4 says God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Do you think God might use your kindness towards someone else to lead them to repentance? How can you show kindness? You can help someone. You can pray for someone. You can encourage someone. Uh, you can listen to someone. Listen, you can share the truth of God's Word with someone. Lots of ways that we can show kindness. Number three, put on humility. Putting on humility, that means we, we don't come to church with an attitude, but we come with a willingness and a desire to, to serve and to serve others. Uh, Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. This is probably a word for lots of us today, isn't it? Humility often starts by considering others before yourself. I mean, Jesus came. I mean, the... God came to earth clothed in humility. And if we're his followers, then we ought to clothe ourselves in some humility. And, and God's got to help us here sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah. Number four, put on meekness. This word's the opposite of rudeness and abrasiveness. Some have defined it as strength under control. 
Some translations translate it as gentleness. Uh, it's a willingness to give up our rights and our desires, our preferences uh, for, the, for the cause of Christ. And we, we're not very good at that sometimes. We like it our way, and we like everything to kind of suit us. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the meek will inherit the earth. And so uh, deny yourself now, and, and God will take care of you later. Next, put on patience. Boy, this is really getting in this morning. And, uh, this means putting up sometimes with other people's conduct without responding in kind. It means holding back. It means restraining yourself sometimes when you're upset or maybe someone's spoken harshly to you and, and you want to let them have it and, and sometimes they deserve it. And, and even, in, even in our families, even in, even in the church sometimes, there are those who, man, they can just be exasperating in their conduct and we want to give them a, a dose of it. And yet, God's been patient with me and so I need to be patient with others. Is towards each other, they then come to verse 13, and there's two concrete actions, uh, forbearance and forgiveness. Uh, so put on forbearance. Verse 13, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. You know, there's always people that kind of rub you the wrong way, and there's some of you have, some of us, we have rough edges, and uh, we're not always controlled by grace. And yet God tells us to bear with one another. Put up with each other. It's not just forbearance, but then put on forgiveness. Uh, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. I tell them this morning, my prayer this week is, is that the Holy Spirit would get in someone's business this morning and you would leave here and go and restore a relationship. And, uh, man, I've seen God do that before. Relationships have been broken for years, and, and uh, God's Spirit you and, and challenges you to go be restored. And, uh, and so I told him, I'm, I'm expecting a phone call or something today for someone just to give me a testimony of restoring a relationship. And in ourselves, that's hard to do, but by God's grace, we can do it. Uh, most of us have seen this picture. I got a picture of, uh, of this case, uh, Brant Jeans. He was the younger Gotham Jean. Uh, he was shot to death by that Dallas police officer. She went to the wrong apartment, and, and she shot an unarmed man, and, and she was sentenced. And Brant was the younger brother, and he went, and he wanted to hug her and offer forgiveness. And, and he said to Amanda Geiger uh, that she should give her life to Christ because that's what his brother would want her to do. What a testimony. And so I look around, and I know that there's some of you, you've been offended, or someone spoke harshly to you, or hurt you, or disappointed you, or whatever. And what is your response? And the real question is, what is your response as a beloved and holy child of God? And your response has to be Forgiveness. Forgiveness is fundamental to the Christian life. It's, I call it Christianity 101. We can forgive because we have been forgiven. Amen? And so if you've had your, forgive, your sins forgiven, then you have all, you've been called to forgive others. Just like God forgave you, He forgives you freely, fully, graciously, and that's the way that we're to forgive others. 
we know this parable in Matthew 18 about the, uh, the servant who had this debt that he could never pay back, you remember? And the king uh, tells him to pay up, and he says, I can't do it. And he forgives that big debt. And then that servant goes and finds a, another servant who has a small debt, and he refuses to forgive him and has him thrown in jail. You remember that? And when the king heard about it, he was infuriated. And he went and had that guy thrown in jail and said, you'll stay there until you pay it all. And so I, I ask us this morning, how, how do you think it makes our Heavenly Father feel knowing that He allowed His Son to go to the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven? How do you think it makes our Father feel when His children won't extend that forgiveness to others? Listen, you're never more like Jesus when you're forgiving someone, especially when you've been wronged. Even on the cross, you remember? Agony of the cross, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So I want to ask you this morning, anybody you need to extend forgiveness to? And I just want to say to you, by God's grace, you can. Regardless of how hard it was or how deep the wound, you can forgive. You can forgive. Verse 14 says, Above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is such a high calling. Put on love. Love is, is above all these other qualities of a, of a grace-filled Christian. Love is kind of what binds all these other graces together. It's, it's kind of the belt that holds them all together. And church, if we want to be a community of grace, then there's nothing more, people, more important than, than loving people. Everybody that walks through these doors, we got to love them. Love is the grace that helps us go the distance with people and not write them off. Jesus said, John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. It's evidence that we belong to Him is by the way we love others. And church, I, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we have to get real. And we have to stop making excuses. Listen, the way that others act towards us is not an excuse. It does not determine how you or I react towards them. We've been saved by the grace of God, and by His grace, we can respond in love. We can. I'm not saying we have to lay down. I'm not saying we have to be a doormat to everybody and let people abuse us. And sometimes the greatest way we can love someone is to speak the truth and love to them. But a, but a grace community, a grace-driven believer should reflect God's grace towards others. And so I want to ask you this morning, how are you doing in these areas? Does others see the grace of Christ in you? Do others see the grace of Christ in us? If we want to be a community of grace, we recall our identity in Christ and we reflect the grace of Christ. Number three, let's review the priorities of Christians. They're for us here in verse 15 through 17. Three, three priorities for the Christian life that Paul gives us. First of all, the peace of Christ. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 
Paul first talks about the importance of peace and unity within the body, within the fellowship. We are at peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and we're to allow the peace of Christ to rule our hearts. That word rule means to umpire or to govern. And Paul is talking about this corporate peace. A community of grace chooses to let Christ's peace rule over us. That means that we seek to be unified as often as possible. The peace of Christ ruling us. And listen, listen, are you at peace with your church family? Is there anybody you need to call truce with? Not only the peace of Christ, secondly, the word of Christ. Notice verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. As followers of Christ, we want the word of God to permeate our lives and the life of our church. Listen, we need to know God's word so that... uh, by the grace of God, we can live it out. Listen, we, I said earlier, we have to be in the Word so that the Word can be in us. Amen? We can't teach and admonish one another with the Word if we don't know the Word. But, but Paul says the Word, as it dwells in you, then you're able to teach and admonish one another. Listen, I, I, I mentioned this. We, we, people like this worldly psychology, psychology. What we need is the Word of God. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. It gets down deep into joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of man. And so Paul says, let this Word dwell in you richly. Church, you've got to be in the Word of God. You've got, there's no substitutes for the Word of God and the truths of Scripture. As a community of grace, our lives and the life of the church is to be built upon the Word of God. And so that challenges us this morning to be people of the book. Don't let the dust settle on your Bible. Know it and love it and teach it to others. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth, John 17. Your Word is truth. God wants to work in our lives to bring sanctification, to make us more like Christ, and He does that through His Word. Now, I've heard verse 16 talk some different ways about teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I I think what Paul is saying is that the Word of God, when it dwells in our hearts, we begin to teach and to counsel one another according to the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man. When the Word of God is in us, we begin to talk to each other through the lenses of the Scriptures, and, and it helps us. And then praise begins to flow out of us, and we begin to write, and we sing songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. When we get this Word in us, it begins to come out of us. Jesus said, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Well, listen, truth comes from God's Word. It, encou- it counsels us. It encourages us. We, uh, it lifts us up. It draws us to worship the one who gave his life for us. And so the peace of Christ, the Word of Christ, and then finally, the name of Christ, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, that's, that's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? Whatever you do, all of life, and Paul would say especially in regards to your relationships and how you treat one another, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do everything under the Lordship of Jesus in your lives. And Paul is saying our words and our deeds, our, our actions, should be consistent with the person of Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Church, that ought to be the measuring rod that we use for our lives. Is this action or is this word going to bring glory to God? I, I said, well, what if I asked that question before I opened my mouth? I, I wouldn't open it sometimes. What if I asked that question, is this going to bring glory to God before I post this on social media? I was going to say, I got some preacher buddies that need to ask. I, I need to ask myself first that question. Is this going to bring glory to God? Listen, listen, church, as Christians, we don't live in two worlds. We don't have our faith and church world over here and then our social life over here. No, we don't. Listen, we have been chosen by God. We are, we are new people in Christ. What we do as believers reflects upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And so let us live lives worthy of his great name. Amen. And Paul again mentions giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to suggest one of the greatest ways that we can show our gratitude to God our Father is by extending his grace to others. Being a community of grace. I don't know about you. I, I, I get tired of wearing a religious mask and tired of our legalism and trying to keep man-made rules. I think it's time as a church we allow grace to move us towards authenticity. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you a person of grace? And are we a community of grace? We talked about how how we, we call our identity in Christ. We're chosen by God. We're holy and beloved. We reflect the grace of Christ in our lives. We put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness. We put that on. Let me ask you, is there there any of those absent from your life? And then is this a place where people can come and experience the grace of Christ? A place where people come and they see love and peace. They see the word of Christ proclaimed and they see the name of Christ exalted. Listen, as we close this morning, I believe God is calling us to be a community of grace right here in our community, a community of grace. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I recognize there's so much work that you have to do in my life. Not always characterized by compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and forgiveness and forbearance and love. Lord, I want those things to be in my lives. I, I want those graces to be evident in the life of this church and and so lord i pray you would do your work holy spirit lord you know what's needed this morning lord you know every issue of bitterness and unforgiveness you know those who need to put on patience who need compassionate hearts lord you know the graces that you want this body of believers to put on this morning And so, for some, I pray you would help them to see what they're wearing. The anger, wrath, malice. I pray they'd put that off today by your help. And I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, you would help some to put on these graces for your glory. And Lord, I pray that some, there might be some this morning who's never experienced your grace. 
never realize is that you love them, that you'll save them, that they'll come and turn from their sins and believe, and that they can go from being your enemies to being holy and beloved. I, I pray that, that there would be some that would experience grace this morning and be saved. Oh, we'd celebrate that this morning, Lord. Do that. Save someone today. Let us enjoy your saving grace this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, stand and respond. The Spirit speaks through His Word. He wants to make us into a community of grace. And uh, I know He's got some work to do in our lives. Uh, some of you might want to just come and say, God, compassion, kindness, gentleness, help me. Pour that out on me. Some of you, you respond this morning. If you, if you need to be saved this morning, I'd love to talk to you about the grace that God offers you this morning to be saved. And so you respond now.